Welcome to Every Moment His. This sermon was preached from the pulpit at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska, and we pray that you are blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Grace, mercy, and peace to each and every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, who has fully and completely paid your debt and my debt. Amen. Well, we all know that there are some things you just cannot bring onto an airplane. If you try to bring them through airport security, you will pay, right? Um, it might be that tube of toothpaste that you try to bring through, the full-size one. You'll get a little slap on the wrist from TSA, and they'll take your toothpaste away, right? Um, but imagine if you were try, uh, to bring something on the list up here, a knife, a loaded gun, um, a bomb. <laughs> any of those things, if you were to attempt to bring those things through airport security, how would that go down? Well, you would be immediately detained, you'd be arrested, you'd be questioned, you certainly would not be allowed to fly that day, and you'd likely be on the news, and you'd always be on a list, right, uh, anytime you tried to fly in the future. And no matter how much you argue that you're just going on an innocent camp, uh, hunting trip with your friends in Montana, none of that would matter because you just simply cannot bring a gun on a plane. It's not going to happen. If you try it, you pay the consequences. End of story. Well, I bring that up because in our gospel reading, uh, Jesus tells his disciples with chilling clarity that there's also something that the Heavenly Father will never, ever allow to come into his kingdom, and that is your refusal to forgive your brother or sister in Christ from the heart. Listen carefully to what Jesus says in verses 34 and 35. He says, and in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so in other words, Jesus is saying very clearly that those who refuse to forgive their brother or sister from the heart will not be allowed to enter the kingdom of heaven. They will be arrested and jailed and denied entry. Now, this might sound unreasonable, it might sound harsh, unless you remember that the very heart of God is forgiveness. That God insists on reconciliation all the way to the point of the cross. And because God has a heart of reconciliation and mercy and love, for us to refuse to give that gift of reconciliation to other people means we're refusing the very heart of God. It means that we're not wanting to live in his kingdom because his is a kingdom where grace and mercy and forgiveness will flow without any hindrance. Now, these stern warnings from Jesus should get our attention because often we tolerate forgiveness or rather unforgiveness in the church. But Jesus says that for his disciples, forgiveness from the heart is non-negotiable. And so today I want to address a very important question for each of us to consider. What is standing in the way of you offering forgiveness to another brother or sister in Christ, maybe even to somebody in this room? Getting to the heart of this question is a matter of life 
and death. Now let's admit that forgiveness is hard. It's vulnerable. It's difficult. And this is why that whenever we talk about forgiveness, we always come up with a lot of yeah buts that stand in the way. So we say, Pastor, I know we're supposed to forgive, but are you saying that I can just let people walk all over me? Well, no. We're called to hold people accountable. Remember Matthew 18 last week, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, and if he doesn't listen, go and find two or three others, and if still he doesn't listen, tell the church. Matthew 18 is teaching accountability, that we don't just let people walk all over us or remain in abusive situations. Or, Pastor... I know we're supposed to forgive, but are you saying that I should bury and ignore the hurt and the anger that I feel in my heart? No. In fact, I would say that you can't really forgive somebody unless you're honest about the harm that's been done. In fact, part of forgiving is not saying, it's okay, as we so often say with offenses, it's okay, it's all right. But forgiving means saying it's not okay. And yet I forgive you. Or, Pastor, I know we're supposed to forgive, but are you saying that we're going to just let people get away with evil things? No. Think back two weeks ago to our epistle reading from Romans chapter 12. What did Paul say? He reminded us, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And what this reminds us is that there will be a day when God will judge, a day when God will confront every evil and heal and right every wrong, including the wrong that's been done to you, including the wrong that nobody will ever apologize to you for in this life. God says, I will fix it. I will take care of it. Or think back to Romans chapter 13, our epistle reading from last week. Paul says that God has instituted the authority of government and the law to punish those who do evil. And so, no, we're not saying by forgiveness we're just letting people get away with evil. Now, all of these scenarios I've brought up, all these questions I've brought up are really the, 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 the painful details that we work through, the questions that we act, ask as we strive to forgive. But Jesus gets at the heart, the heart of forgiveness, which number one, why would we forgive? And number two, that forgiveness is non-negotiable, that it's absolutely required. And in order to do that, Jesus tells a story. He tells a parable. And the, the purpose of that parable is to get into your imagination and through your imagination to get down into your heart so that your heart that refuses to forgive would be changed and softened into a heart that readily and willingly forgives as Christ forgives you. That's the point of the parable. Now, it all begins with Peter in verse 21. He has a question. He says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? When he sins against me, Peter's thinking back to earlier in Matthew 18, right? Where Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, here's the process. And Peter's thinking, oh, how many times do I have to go through that with somebody before I call it quits? Now, Peter is going to be generous here. 
Uh, the rabbis at this time, with regard to forgiveness, taught a three strikes and you're out rule. So if somebody sins against you three times, that's it. The fourth time, you don't have to forgive them. But Peter's generous. He says, how about we'll double the number to six and then add one and make it seven. We'll make it a perfect number. And so Peter thinks he's being generous. He thinks that he's broadening his imagination when it comes to forgiveness. And Jesus says, nope, you're so limited, Peter, because it's not seven, it's 77. Which, by the way, doesn't mean that if somebody, if you're keeping track and somebody sins against you 78 times, you're in the clear and you can just cut them out of your life. It's not what Jesus means. 77 means limitless. It means without reservation. It means in God's kingdom, there is no end to forgiveness. Now, this is hard for Peter to grasp, just as hard as it is for you and me to grasp. And so Jesus tells this parable to invite Peter and you and me to imagine what forgiveness looks like in the kingdom of God. And so in this parable, Jesus is going to invite you to imagine four things. And through imagining these four things, we are led to be forgiving people. So first, Jesus invites you to imagine you being brought before God the King with a crushing debt that you simply cannot pay. The debt that Jesus invites you to imagine is the highest numeric value in the Greek language, 10,000, which is where we get the word myriad. And then added to that, we have not only the highest uh, amount in the Greek language, but the highest amount of currency, which is the talent, which is roughly equals like an entire lifetime of work. And so if we were to add up what this means, it would be in the millions or billions of dollars for us. Jesus is saying, imagine you being brought before God the King with this type of debt that you owe him. It's a debt that would have taken 60 million work days to clear yourself of. It's a debt that would have taken at least a thousand years of hard labor in prison to pay off. And given the average life expectancy, you can see that this debt is unpayable. Now, it's hard to imagine owing God this type of debt, except if you remember what God demands from you, what he rightfully asks of you every single day, every breath of your life, then this starts to make sense, right? Isn't it true that as one created in the image of God, what you owe God on a daily basis is that you owe loving God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole strength, your whole mind, without reservation, without regret, all the time. And not only that, what God, what you owe God is to love every single human being in this world, even your worst enemy, with a love equal to the love you have for yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. This is the law. This is the uncompromising, unbendable law of God. God doesn't grade on a curve. This is just simply what you owe God with every breath of your life. And if you admit that, then it's not hard to imagine yourself owing this type of debt to God. Because we all know that we've all 
fallen short of the glorious standard God has given us to love God and love neighbor as ourselves. Daily we fall short of it. So you and I know that if God were to keep a record of our wrongdoings, if he were to take us to task for even one day of sinning, we wouldn't wake up the next morning. This debt that Jesus invites you to imagine is not only a crushing weight on your shoulders, it's also one that you and I are utterly unable to even begin to pay off. All the time and the effort and the good works in the world would not even put a dent in this debt that you and I owe the living God. This king, your God, is just and righteous and fair, and so he will settle his accounts And given the heavy debt that you and I owe and our inability to pay, it would seem that the only option for you and me is that we would eternally bear the weight of the debt eternally with no way out. Except that this king, your God, has a heart of mercy and pity for broken, sinful people like you and me. And so this God does something Shocking. He does something costly. He does something that you and I would have never dared to ask for. He does not negotiate a repayment plan at a fixed interest rate, but rather he forgives the debt in full. He clears, he releases you and me from that crushing debt that we could never pay, so there's not even a single penny left to your name. And so what Jesus wants you to imagine, the second thing Jesus wants you to imagine in this parable is you being released from that awful load of debt and guilt. Jesus wants you to imagine yourself with the joy and the tears and the freedom and the relief that come from God releasing you from that crushing debt you could never pay. Now, it shouldn't be hard to imagine this. Because if you are a Christian, this is exactly what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. When you say in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, this is what you're saying. You're saying, I believe this, that God has taken the debt off of my shoulders. This very costly debt, God ate the debt himself. I mean, think about it. This, uh, this king, in order to forgive the servant, the king had to eat the cost. 10,000 talents, millions and millions of dollars. And is this not what God has done for you in the cross of Christ? Jesus bore the crushing load of debt in his body for you and for me, but now we have been eternally released from it. We're no longer under that awful, guilty load. We are free. There's no greater news in the world than that. But now Jesus invites you to imagine a third thing. He invites you to imagine something that should be impossible to imagine and yet surprisingly might happen and does happen. Jesus invites you in the parable to imagine that you, the forgiven one, the one released from the crushing debt, use the freedom of God's debt cancellation to go out and find a brother or sister who owes you far, far less and hold that grudge against them. The difference between the debt that the king canceled of 10,000 talents and the debt that the servant insists on 
having paid from another servant. The difference is it's 600,000 to one. And so, shouldn't it be beyond our imagination that this servant who had just had millions of dollars of debt canceled will go out and find another servant who owed him maybe three or four paychecks and refuse to forgive? And isn't it beyond imagination that you who have been forgiven a crushing load of debt, that you would refuse to forgive your brother or sister in Christ who owes you far, far less? Yeah, it is beyond imagination. And and yet, you still refuse to forgive your brother or sister from the heart. And for those of you who refuse to forgive... For those of you whose hearts have not been softened by the grace of God to be grace-filled towards others, Jesus invites you to imagine a fourth and final scenario. He invites you to imagine you being under the righteous anger of the king who gives you the debt back because you despised his forgiveness by refusing to forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Jesus invites you to imagine you being hauled off and thrown into an eternal prison by the heavenly Father himself. Friends, it's shocking, it's uncomfortable, but this is what the punchline of the parable is. We can't avoid it. Jesus says, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. Can you see that forgiveness is non-negotiable? There's no wiggle room here. And that's because forgiveness is what the kingdom's all about. To deny forgiveness to a brother or sister is to deny the cross. To deny the lengths that God went to save and to forgive you. parable shocking, right? But Jesus tells us this parable to rouse us out of the apathy of our unforgiving hearts that we so often tolerate. He tells us the parable to awaken us, to awaken our hearts to the reality of the heart of God, which is a heart overflowing and abundant with forgiveness for you and for me. He tells us this parable because he desires. He intends that his forgiveness he pours out abundantly into your heart would flow from your heart to the heart of every heart around you. Jesus tells this parable because reconciliation is where history is going. It's where the kingdom is headed. And God will not allow the wedding feast of the Lamb to be ruined by a refusal to forgive. How many of you here today have ever lost something important, maybe important but small, like an earring or a $20 bill or a check you haven't cashed, or maybe a very important Lego piece for one of your kids? You've ever lost that in the trash? It's a terrible feeling when you realize, I think I may have thrown it away. And then you know what you have to do. You have to dig through the trash piece by piece until you find it. Anybody ever done that? I'm not the only one, right? We've all done that. Wow, isn't it humiliating to finger through banana peels, coffee grounds, used Kleenexes, maybe even diapers to find the thing that you lost? You don't want to do that. And I think that's the point of the parable. 
Jesus Christ, your Lord, your Savior, came into this world to take out the trash of your sin and mine. Jesus came to bag up tightly and take to the dump the sins of every last man, woman, and child in this whole creation. Crucified and risen from the dead, Jesus took the entire trash heap of our sins to the dump. And so you and I are forever free from the grimy, greasy, stinky grit of your past. And the same is true of those who've sinned against you and those that you've sinned against. Jesus has taken it all to the dump once and for all. And so why in the world would you ever want to take a trip to the dump, dig up what's been thrown away and buried? Why would you ever go picking through the trash to find those sins, to roll around in them, and even throw them at others, reminding them of what Jesus took to the dump for them. Why would you do that? I think the point of the parable is that many people will insist on doing that. And Jesus says, if we want to do that, we certainly can. But why would we? It becomes all the more serious when we realize that the word that Jesus uses for hell in Matthew's gospel, Gehenna, is an Aramaic word for a literal trash heap, a trash dump outside of Jerusalem where people threw burning, stinking refuge. And so do you see what Jesus is saying in the parable, that if we want to make our bed in the trash heap and live there, we can. But why would we? Why would we if Jesus went to such great lengths to bag up every sin tight and take it to the dump forever? I think that we do this, that we refuse to forgive because we think that by not releasing people from their sins, we will heal ourselves. We think that our refusal to forgive will manipulate people into behaving the way we want them to. Or we think that bitterness will make things right or maybe atone for the things that have been stolen from us that can't be given back. We think that by inflicting pain, we may be able to heal ourselves. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that the only way that our wounds are healed and the wounds we've dealt to others are healed is through the pain of Jesus' cross. It's only through his wounds that our wounds are healed. And it's only through his cross that we're able to forgive because it's only at the cross that we are forgiven and therefore we can forgive. Forgiveness is only possible because we have a God who through cross and empty tomb will not only forgive our sins, but will also heal every wrong. Why was Joseph able to forgive his brothers after they sold him into slavery? How in the world could you forgive something like that? Joseph was able to forgive because he knew by experience that he believed in a God who's able to take the very worst and awful things and still work them for good, for the saving of many lives. If you don't believe in a God who can do that, then don't forgive. But if you believe in a God who in Christ will heal every wrong, including the wrong done to you, the wrong that maybe no one will ever apologize or seek to make right, 
It's this and only this reason that we can forgive. By forgiving, friends, you are entrusting God with final justice and final healing, which is way beyond our ability. And so, friends, forgiven by the wounds of Christ, how are you called to forgive? Uh, This sermon, more than any other, has an application point, something that you're called to leave here and seek out to do. What's the next step for you? Where are you called to forgive? Maybe for you it begins with an honest prayer. Lord, I forgive, but help my unforgiveness. Maybe for you it's a conversation with a pastor or a Christian friend that you trust to work out the particular painful details of how do I forgive a person in this situation. Maybe for you it looks like a letter, a phone call, a visit. But whatever the next step is, know that you're not alone. Christ is with you as you strive to forgive. Friends, forgiveness is the currency of God's kingdom. It's the business of the Christian life. This is just simply what we do as Christians. It's our daily bread to be forgiven by the Heavenly Father and to forgive others their trespasses. It is just what we do as Christians because it's what Jesus does for you daily. And thank God for that. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it was useful for you. If you found this particularly useful, you can share this episode with friends or family. You can also subscribe to our podcast and whatever platform you're using or give us a review that really helps other people find our podcast. This is also a teaching ministry of Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska. And so if you do not have a church, we would love to welcome you into our community to build you up and to share the joy of salvation with you and the rest of the members here at Holy Cross.